people are very curious about other people's relationships and they partly want to know that they're okay, that they're not doing it wrong. And then obviously if someone is having a problem, then people can learn from the answers that other people give or get. Welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex, a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like a boxing match, but with a bigger ring. I can't even look at you. (laughs) My name is Bibi Lynch. And I'm Miranda Kane. And coming up, we're going to be talking to Lucy Beresford, who's written a book called Happy Relationships at Home, Work and Play. Just like a Mars bar. We're we're one of those. Oh, which one? Hopefully. (laughs) Work. Heavy, heavy, hard work. Let's hear what she's got to say. (laughs) Hello, I'm Lucy Beresford. I'm a broadcaster, writer and psychotherapist. Lucy Beresford. Beresford? Beresford. 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 Beresford three more times, Miranda. Beresford. Can I congratulate you on your dress before we go any further? Oh, thank you. Mm. Yeah, you look gorgeous. Thank you very much. Very nice. Thank you, especially for the podcast. Well, no one will see. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we'll have to do a selfie later. Yes, we will. Oh, well, thank you at least for getting dressed, which is something <laughs> the BB never manages. So that's... <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, I think when people find out that I'm a kind of sex expert, they think, oh, she just spends her whole time in her underwear or yeah. something. Yeah. So, yeah, you're you're right. You're seeing me in my clothes yeah. today. <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> now, Lucy is an Agni aunt on ITV's This Morning. She hosts eHarmony's Love Decoded. And you're the naughty Mary Poppins at Talk <laughs> Radio. What... What, what does being a naughty Mary Poppins involve? So it started off when I had a show, a sex and relationship show at LBC. Okay. And a woman who was the singer in Tapau, do you remember that band? Oh, yeah. Carol Decker was listening in her dressing room about to go on stage or set or whatever she does with her music. And she said, this woman is on air and she sounds just like a naughty Mary Poppins. <laughs> the filth that's coming out of her mouth, but she speaks so nicely. <laughs> so my boss at LBC, James Rio, was like, we're going to keep that. That's a great line. So that's who I am. And of course, you're practically perfect in every way. Oh, oh. I'm so glad you said that. that I didn't have to reinforce it. Bibi's yes. about to ask you what you carry around in your car. I was just going to say. <laughs> it's the parrot-headed umbrella. It's well. so useful. The very first sex toy in children's literature, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and you've just come out with a book, Happy Relationships at Home, Work and Play. Yes. Is that is that out at the moment? It is out at the moment, published by McGraw-Hill. It's also available around the world. In fact, I've just come back from Pakistan talking about it, which was fascinating because so many people had so many questions that are exactly the same as the kinds of questions I get asked here in the, in the West, in the UK. Mm-hmm. But it's a book that is structured very like a sort of agony aunt session. So each chapter has different relationships. So your relationship with your partner, with your kids, with your boss, with social media. Um, and I have imagined that people have uh, contacted me with questions and I ask, answer the questions. So it's a very agony, a very kind of traditional agony aunt formula. Trying tested. Yeah. People are very curious about other people's relationships and they partly want to know that they're okay, that they're not doing it wrong. And then obviously if someone is having a problem, then people can learn from the answers that other people give or get. Do you have a typical question that you've answered in the book or? Um... Yeah. So for each chapter, there are about eight or nine questions and they are 
actually the most typical that I get, whether that's in my consulting room or on the radio show, there are always the, the sort of standard questions that everybody asks. But the first chapter is about your relationship with yourself. So I talk a lot about how as long as you can get that bit right, then a lot of your other relationships will fall much more elegantly into place. Have you got a question that you can answer for us? Is there one that you can give away? Well, I think the most typical is how do I deal with a broken heart? Because pretty much everybody has been there at some point, even if they haven't actually been in a relationship with that person, but they've perhaps even just lusted after them from afar or they have, you know, been at school and they've fancied the popular person in class and that person never looks at you. There's there's some element of unrequited love or heartbreak that we can all relate to. So uh, the, the answer for that is invariably about kind of loving yourself first because if you can love yourself first and show yourself all that amazing love and positivity that's the moment at which someone is going to walk into your life because you're ready for love in a way you're showing the universe you know I'm I'm ready for it and I'm capable of giving it to someone i.e myself and then the other person will will walk into your life but how how you survive heartbreak is is a similar process it's about really throwing yourself into your life so we've got at home work and in play so what kind of work relationship questions to people have? Quite a lot of people ask quite straightforward questions about, you know, how do I create a a career path for myself? Uh, Everyone has this vision that everyone knows what they want to do. But actually, for most of us, it's a question of kind of being on that path and going left, going right. And where do you get that vision from? But at the same time, the interpersonal relationships that you have within an office or a workplace can cause so much stress. You've got someone who, you know, you maybe you have a personality clash with, or maybe they steal something from the office fridge <laughs> and you don't know quite what to do about it. But, but things like, you know, how to ask for a pay rise, how to deal with a relationship that goes wrong. You know, you have an affair in the office and then it ends. And what do you do about that? Oh, no, what do you whole, do about that? Well, it, funnily enough, it does depend on uh, the company, I guess, because some companies have really strict policies about things like that you know the senior person invariably gets to stay and the more junior person is asked to leave that still happens uh so uh, irrespective of what their gender is so that those kinds of things still happen uh but i think it's more about now interestingly enough i get a lot of people who come to see me in their sort of very late 20s very late 30s very late 40s which i think is often a transition period you know people say in their head by the time i'm 30 or by the time i'm 40 i want X, Y, and Z to be in place. Mm. And often when it comes to career, things haven't fallen into place in quite the same way. So dealing with the frustration of that um, is something I deal with a lot in my work, in my therapy work. So in the book, um, I have one question. There is someone who is just saying, you know, how come... I had this vision, how come my career hasn't kind of panned out the way that I thought it would? Because I think school sets you up for this very misleading idea that if I work really hard, everything will fall into place. If I really swat up for my 10 times table and I nail that, that's how my life is going to be for the rest of time. And that's unfortunately not quite quite the case. I don't know. I'm just trying to think it through. I had a horrible feeling you were going to ask me on the spot, (laughs) Uh, eight times 10. (laughs) Should we get back to sex? Because I'm more, I'm more confident on that one. (laughs) Before we get to sex, how did you get into all of this? Well, it is a bit, unusual because I was an investment banker before then. Uh, um, But I just, I think that that was a bit of an anomaly because my first degree was in English literature. (laughs) 
And uh, so I did my 10 years in banking and I did love it. I, I enjoyed the kind of opportunities I had. But there was something that wasn't kind of really hitting the sweet spot eventually. And I, I sort of retrained as a therapist. I remember going into therapy myself and just thinking, this is so interesting. <laughs> Talking about myself, this is really fascinating. <laughs> and then very quickly, I got, um, I think I got asked to do some uh, some things for ITV along about relationships. And that it just really took off from there. I think people enjoyed speaking to someone who kind of looked like they'd had a little bit of experience, but wasn't too, um, too ancient that they couldn't perhaps necessarily tap yeah. into what everyone was enjoying. Yeah. So. <laughs> Some old 50-year-old on the sofa. 50-year-old. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I meant when I was like eight. Hey. Did you? <laughs> Did you? <laughs> you know, like the old... Backpedaling. Back <laughs> dear, dear Lucy, <laughs> I have this I really annoying colleague. <laughs> age shamed. <laughs> no. It was the old, you know, the old dears, and they all used to be like, listen, young lady, have you tried putting on your lipstick and wearing a shorter skirt so you can get your man into bed? You know, it's like, oh, is he a bit too grabby? That's your fault for being a slag. You know, those kind of agony arms. Do you remember? Exactly. And at some point, someone was saying, oh, this this woman obviously has had sex. That's okay. Let's keep her. So that's how it all started. Do you have private clients? Yes. So I see... Uh, patients for one-to-one -one psychotherapy as well do you get um have any of them mentioned me <laughs> i am bound by confidentiality. confidentiality yes <laughs> do you do you become um emotionally invested in people i think as a human being if you're going to do the therapy right you can't but help have some kind of human connection traditionally you're not really meant to give yourself away you're not meant to give too much of yourself away but over the years I've been practicing which is now 20 years I've discovered that you can't do it too clinically because at that point you become like an automaton and the other person isn't going to get any help at all the actual key to helping someone transform their life is that human connection mm -hmm. that human relationship and therefore if I'm not a human being uh, it's not. It's never going to work. I'm not the right person for absolutely everybody. And anybody listening to this who's contemplating going into therapy needs to know that whenever they walk into a room to see a therapist for the first time, if they just don't think after that first session that it's worked, that is their prerogative to kind of say, thanks so much, but I think I'll keep looking. Mm. But if you do make that connection, it's transformative to both of you, actually. I've learned so much at the back of my book. I thank you know my patients for teaching me so much because they're the ones that are doing all the work. Yeah. I break my therapist. I I, say, no, the only way I break them is, and it's a really positive way. <laughs> I swear a lot, and and my therapists invariably do not swear off. You know, when I first start seeing them, and then a little while in, when they start swearing to the level I do, I know I've got them. But got them in what way? What just, are you trying to achieve? Just, yeah, know. stop, stop analysing. <laughs> Sorry, force of habit. <laughs> no, I don't know. It just makes me feel like yeah, yeah. They like me because they're saying fuck. <laughs> Is it like on Super Nanny when she comes down to their eye level? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you want to get We're into the, the sand bit I will come with you but actually it's very important because so many people censor themselves particularly when they're in front of someone like me particularly yeah. if I sound a bit like Mary Poppins they'll be thinking oh, but I can't say fuck and I can't say shit and I can't say horrible things about other people mm. and very quickly I feel I've got to convey to these people that I am very happy with whatever they say and whoever they say it about and whatever they want it, it, there's so much self-censorship that goes on that you, you have to give them permission to yeah. say whatever they want to say. Um, we're going to go back to sex now. Before we go back to sex, it was quite <laughs> arousing when you said fuck. <laughs>
Good. Uh, Miranda, over to you. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's working. It's working. Is it couples as well that you see or is yes. it just... Yes. So, because one of the things that I wanted to talk about that came up when I was reading about your book was love in a sexless marriage. And I yes. think there's going to be quite a few people out there that are feeling mm. this. So is, do you think that's something that comes comes to all of us? Because there's so many people that I know, that we all know, that are married and going, oh, we're married, so we don't have sex anymore. So it's like, is that a thing? Well, they all talk like that as well. Yeah, they have yeah that they're accent. all pirates. That's, <laughs> it was shocking, wasn't it? It was shocking. <laughs> you did that I had a mouthful of water I would have called thank you Lucy for stepping in don't ever do that maybe that's the thing the longer you've been married the more pirate like you sound yeah Yeah. I don't know that's my theory say like you know do you fancy it tonight and they just go is that a yes or a no what is that with my hook yes Yes, exactly (laughs) pieces of eight I don't have any I've got a piece of seven I've got no piece of eight I've got an after eight I've got an after eight (laughs) which is it oh I know lots of interesting things you can do with an after eight oh Um, I knew we'd so is this how you get (laughs) love in a sexless marriage this is how you resolve your sexless marriage but I think you're right I think there are a lot of couples that do go through this. I wouldn't say, I certainly wouldn't say all, and I don't think it is the majority actually, not least because I think nowadays there are so many more opportunities for people to sort of learn about things and to assert their own sexual desires that actually I think it's gone are the days where people sit in silence more often. However, there are definitely things that happen within a relationship, particularly a long-term relationship, that kind of make you just feel a little bit more... Um, resistant to the erotic charms of the other person. And that could be circumstantial. You know, you've had, maybe you've had a baby or you've had two or three and there's just either not the physical will, you just feel a little bit blur about yourself or you've just pushed a, you know, turkey sized human being out of your vagina and you don't really want anyone to go there. Or you could just be, you know, you've known each other so long, you've got into this kind of groove, uh, which is a slightly dangerous place to be, to be fair. And Well, because that leaves your relationship vulnerable to attack, I think. Other people looking there and thinking, oh, well, I'll I'll have a go at that. Is that like a grass is greener kind of thing? Yes. It's like, oh, why, why, why must I be with the person who I sit watching X Factor with when there's this person who is dressing up for me and exactly i did uh, a ted talk last year which was called infidelity to stay or go and it was really a, exploring that idea of whether if infidelity does unfortunately hit your relationship does that auto- automatically mean curtains for your relationship um and you'll have to listen to the yeah. TED Talk to find out. Um, but I do definitely think that it, if you if you don't pay attention to those sort of very um, habit-forming little grooves that you get into as a couple, particularly when it comes to sex and other bedroom activities, then you, you probably are leaving your couple open to some kind of external invasion. Ooh. Separate bedroom idea is a good idea. I think that sounds quite sexy. There are definitely times in a relationship where a sort of enforced absence does make the heart grow fonder. Mm. But unfortunately, I think there also comes a time where people think, oh, well, I'll just, you know, you're, you're, you need a bit of sleep and you've got a cold and you're getting up early to play golf or whatever it might be that the, there's a reason why somebody thinks, oh, okay, I'll just sleep in the spare room this once. Mm. And then it 
becomes again a habit yeah. and you forget that erotic connection that intimate sort of skin on skin contact which is just so delicious and so powerful even if you never even if it doesn't automatically always lead to penetrative sex just to know that you can have that kiss and that cuddle is better for your relationship than the symbolism really of you being in, in separate rooms so separate beds you could easily do or separate mattresses have two bugs <laughs> That's an exciting one. Oh, and you swing over one side. <laughs> it's a variation on swinging on the chandeliers, I guess. <laughs> Uh, you tell you turf the kids out and say you go and sleep in mommy and daddy's bed and we're going to bounce around here but i think sometimes people do become a little bit obsessed about their sleep patterns for very good reasons you know it's a really important part of our um, recuperation process every night but if you could have like two single beds pushed together and create your double bed out of two separate mattresses you'd be amazed how that improves the quality of sleep for both people and also separate duvets so you can definitely have bedtime activity that doesn't involve the other person having to schlep to a different room because I just think that feels so punishing yeah and not exciting uh, not exciting no because it it never it never seems to arise out of that it's always about can you go there because you're snoring too much and I need a good night's sleep or it's it's, a negative reason yeah it's a negative rather than a positive yeah could you be in a long-term relationship that had no sex Miranda Kane Mm. not not us (laughs) that's a given presumably managed very well (laughs) i think it just really it just depends like you know if you're best friends at the end of the day it feels weird to part from someone just because you're not when you're getting more from well i think that's a really good question how important is sex and Mm. i've always said that if you're both on the same page about the amount of sex you're having even if that's once every three weeks or something then that's great if the two of you think that that's enough and you've got an erotic connection taking place in lots of other ways with hand holding a bit of massage maybe the odd bath together or just you know some lovely date nights together if both of you are happy with that that's absolutely brilliant the problem comes when there is this um disconnect and there's a, a mismatch in terms of your libido mm. uh, that is more tricky actually what would be your advice for if someone if someone obviously wants a bit more sex than the other person well you definitely both have to sit down and talk about it to explore what is perhaps stopping the person who wants less sex is it that they are simply a bit too tired do they have issues around their own uh, desires do they lack the body confidence maybe things have happened to them physically childbirth menopause whatever menopause because obviously it can affect men as well um, or uh, are you uh, actually acting out your withholding of sex because that's another dimension to this whereby um, some dissatisfactions in the relationship can exist and you can't be bothered to either talk about them or you can't bear to raise the topic again for the umpteenth time so then you start to withdraw and the most obvious way that someone might do that in a relationship is to withheld their sexual favors so you need to find out first of all is that what's going on is there something that isn't really being talked about in the relationship if you're sure that it's nothing to do with that and it's just like a, maybe a hormonal thing that one of you has got a higher sex drive than the other always assuming that both of you want to deal with this then one of you could maybe go and get checked out hormonally because sometimes it might be that there are some things that need to be tweaked mm. and again that can often happen in during the menopause because the hormone fluctuations and also the physical changes that happen during menopause can also make you feel a little bit blah about having sex so you say sit and have that conversation i'm saying that conversation is not easy to have can you please tell miranda and i you can use us yeah we can have the conversation 
So Miranda wants more sex than I do. Mm. So let's, a, let's assume that we've uh, discounted the fact that you're withholding sex because you're fed up that Miranda doesn't put the bin ha- bins out. <laughs> oh, are you withholding? It's true. I never take the bins out. <laughs> oh, bins is okay. We've had that row. That's fine. So that's all. So, so now you tweeted about her. <laughs> you subtweet. <laughs> she understood <laughs> so we've you've come to me because you've now decided you'd quite like to get on the same yeah. page but you're yeah. r- not really sure yeah. so there are a number of little techniques that you can play around with the key thing is you also need to try to overcome this dynamic whereby you always feel that Miranda is trying to have sex with you yeah. and sometimes all you want yeah. is a cuddle Just or a, cuddle. a chat or you know a bit of hair stroking <laughs> so needy no a bit of <laughs> No, you do, you want you want something different. So there has to be a second conversation about what do your desires mean to you, and what does it mean for you when I don't want to have sex, and what does it mean for you when I do want to have sex, and how and you then also get the chance to say this is what it's like when you're constantly pressurizing me to have sex, or I feel like it's pressure. The the key thing is it's called the five minute listening technique. Speak for five minutes. There's no comeback. You don't say yes, but you don't say that's rubbish. Or bollocks or whatever. That's really making me anxious. <laughs> and then the beauty of it is, then Miranda shuts up, and you get the chance to do your five minutes. Do we have an egg time? Um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes people do that actually, so that it feels really equitable. Couples can get very um, precious about who's got more of something. So that's why sex becomes so a, a crucial kind of crucible for this, because a lot of people were like, "Well, I did this, so I now expect that." It, 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 there doesn't seem to be the same kind of generosity of spirit that when when couples are really angry with each other that generosity of spirit kind of goes out the window so if you're finding that egg timer is useful in the early days definitely and then you need to devise between you um, a sort of uh, almost like a, a rotor makes it sound a bit clinical but there are going to be some days where you're going to initiate some sex and there are going to be days where you initiate intimacy but not sex and you agree to that because you're trying to make this work for both of you it's not just about you because you've got the high libido getting your needs met Mm. it's about again working out why bb doesn't feel the same and making sure that both of you have got uh, having your desires met in some way so do you think intimacy is more important than sex again I, i think different couples would answer that question differently because for some people intimacy doesn't even include sex whereas for others it would only be about sex the key thing is where are the two of you yeah. in that because neither is right neither is wrong yeah. but where are you in the couple what's the couple what's the couple's belief system well I'm in the swingers club and BB is <laughs> trying to rent another flat on the other side of town <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's because I think it is it is different for everyone. Like you know, people put a lot of weight on sex, and some people put it more on intimacy, and some people are just like they can see the the two. Also, are very I guess different. how how the sex changes within the relationship, and, yeah. and that might be seen as as problematic, but it could just be sex is naturally going to change, mm. isn't it? If you've been together for X amount, it is going to change, and one would like to think that it ends up being about quality rather than quantity. When you first meet and you're at it like rabbits, and that's brilliant, and there's that fantastic 
sort of chemistry and you want to really embrace that. And then over time, different things come to the fore. But the interesting thing about infidelity and betrayal is that they're very rarely about sex. Everyone assumes that people have affairs in order to have more sex. Um, sex is often a byproduct. Usually it's about something else that is missing from the existing relationship. Let's call it the primary relationship. And it's invariably to do with how you feel in yourself. Yeah. Now, that could be that you aren't feeling as desired or as desirable, but it's often to do with other things. Like I, I feel like I've got too many responsibilities or I feel like I'm trapped or I feel like um, nobody sees the real me because I really wanted to be a pop star and yet I'm an accountant. You know, things to do with your own self, yeah. less to do with your partner in a funny way. And, and less to do with the person they're seeing yeah, outside. Exactly. It's more about them saying, I like this attention, I want this attention. I, I like this version of myself that yeah. I am in this new possible relationship are you always going to get to the stage that you're at in your primary relationship is that is that inevitable that you'll always get to a stage where it's not it, oh, I don't no. think so I don't Brilliant. think so I think it's really important that's in a way why I did the TED talk because I wanted people to kind of wake up before infidelity or betrayal occurred to be able to say we need to look at what's happening in our relationship have we got stuck in certain grooves are we kind of just going through the motions and it's very it's very easy to do because real life into and you have a rhythm of your work life and you maybe have a rhythm if you have kids or pets or ill parents or whatever it is and you forget to pay attention to the couple and yet if you think back to say in your late teens early 20s when you maybe first started dating someone or, or fancying someone I mean they were basically all you thought about even though you might have needed to do your A-levels or, or do your first job or your presentation or whatever that actually all you could think about was that person and you kind of need to get back to that because that is that's what's going to last and nourish you at the end of the day I love do you think so i mean some relationships should end though shouldn't they would you ever give that advice uh so as a therapist i'd never give that degree of concrete advice but you're right there are some relationships that probably do need to end for all concerned actually they mm. either weren't quite right to begin with things have changed too much and people do change that that is the other thing is that some relationships can expand and accommodate these new people and that's great and it takes a lot of conscious effort but it's definitely possible and some don't some some people who just they just actually become slightly different people with different dreams different visions mm. a different a different yeah different vision for what they want their life to be like and and that's okay too and frankly if we're all going to live to 120 you know the idea that you meet someone when you're 23 yeah. and you're with them for the rest of your life that might be an old-fashioned mm. belief yeah. brilliant <laughs> and then you Britain, and this brings us right back to heartbreak again <laughs> yes how do you survive it and funnily enough i was interviewing some people from university and so by definition they're kind of like very early 20s and they're absolutely certain they're never going to start dating anyone until they're 30 because they are very worried about the whole kind of heartbreak thing and they want to kind of have 10 years where they don't have any heartbreak which is not quite the way to do it you kind of need to go through a bit of it to be able to prove to yourself that you can survive it because if if you only if, you, if your first heartbreak happens at 40 yeah. you'll probably be crushed forever because you'll think well I'll never get over this whereas if your first heartbreak was with David during the time you failed your French mock I you know, just, well no I'm just you know randomly <laughs> yeah. thinking of someone random David. yeah my random David wow. but you know that that 
I failed my French mock because I just thought oh. I'll never get over this. This this you know this man has dumped me and I yeah. and life is over. Uh, but actually, you learn that not only is it not over, but in two years' time he's going to make a pass at you and you will block him. <laughs> <laughs> Get that. <laughs> At least someone's had a happy end. <laughs> but you do have to go through something like that. And it yeah. it's horrible. I was talking to a friend even today and she's just discovered that uh, someone she was with has just got someone spectacularly quickly after they split up. And it's hard. That's a horrible feeling. But I also yeah. know she will get through that. Yeah. I hate I hate those ones where it's like, oh, yeah, where they've been with someone. I know someone who's done it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm just not ready for a relationship. And then like, like that, they're in a relationship with someone. And it's just, well, but I also think like young people are getting heartbroken just a little bit every day. Like we have ghosted, but we call it ghosting and zombieing. And it's like, you know, when we were all growing up and we didn't have apps and stuff like Mm. that and a bloke stopped talking to you or another person stopped talking to you, Mm. that would, that would be heartbreak. But nowadays they get it just, but Mm. they call it ghosting. What's zombieing as opposed to ghosting? I think it's where they, they, they stop talking to you, but then like in six months time, then they come back as if nothing has happened. And you're like, what? I kind of meant to suddenly just get, start talking talking to you again because either you've genuinely been traveling off grid in the middle of Vietnam and with no phone reception or you've just been shagging someone else yeah. and they've dumped you and now you want me back Always. what you're saying is you're asking this is it um has it changed as the kind of have relationships and the dynamics and the heartbreak well because- the the fundamental things that we all have to go through haven't really changed you know how do I have sex for the first time mm. how do I tell someone I fancy them uh, what do I do if they dump me how do I dump with someone else all of those but there's social media and the fact that all of this is in the palm of your hand is makes it so difficult because actually I remember um, first term at college that everyone said you know don't shag the first bloke you meet because the chances are you will have to keep seeing him for the rest of that term (laughs) and that's really awkward whereas now it's not just so that you see it on his Instagram feed if you stalk it Um, you know you check that on Facebook Twitter you you're going to kind of bump into someone in a in a virtual sense but that doesn't make it any less painful because we're hardwired Mm. It is interesting, isn't it? We are hardwired yeah. to connect with others and yeah. to cop off with them. Yes. Yeah. Cop off. <laughs> Showing my get age. Off. Get off. Get, get off. off. What did you say? What did you say? Cop off, get off. Uh, snog. You have to get off with someone once in your life because the get off is just like, so random yeah uh, got to do that yeah, at I, some love, point. I love a little snog at the end of a night i was going to say end of a disco <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, i know someone who hasn't had a relationship she's for a while great hair. but she's got lovely hair terrible tit but lovely <laughs> pubic hair, hair. yeah 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 <laughs> Her last relationship ended the day Diana died. Day after. Day after. I was going to say they're not. Those two things aren't linked. No, no. She was fucking the driver. Um, (laughs) I mean, he was drunk. Got so you many bad looks from everyone. Sorry. <laughs> what did she do wrong? What could she do? So we're now talking what twenty one years? Yeah, is it? yeah. Twenty twenty one years. Yeah. So not that you're <laughs> counting. Not that your friend is counting. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that's a really long time to be on your own, and you might have actually got into a bit of a rut 
about your own company that somehow nobody else is ever going to be good enough. Oh, yeah. uh, so quite a lot of people kind of think, oh, well, actually, I'm fine on my own. I, you know, I'm, yeah. I love having the whole bed to sleep in and I love being able to what I, watch what I want on Netflix. Yeah. So you can almost convince yourself that you are going to be better off. So that mental block might need to be... Uh, what if they're, they're convinced, because they were told by a two-penny pusher on the street, that the only person that was ever going to love them is an architect called James, <laughs> who has a flat in London and a, a house... Where was it? Flat in London Hove. and a house Hove. in Hove. And so they're convinced... <laughs> someone's convinced that that is the only person who will who they can fall in love with even though they don't even know this person exists any advice for that so definitely maybe <laughs> stop going to those tuppany whatnots <laughs> as a first instance and does this person actually think that james exists in this lifetime or a different lifetime this she's fairly convinced so i think we so we maybe they need to think about the way that the universe works that actually yeah. it could be another lifetime so free yourself up if yes. james is meant to come along that would be great yeah. or the architect or whoever he's meant to be with the yeah. two homes stop or whatever james architects home. house in hove yeah. yes yeah. perhaps stop the obsession mm. would be my first bit of advice and again just i think it's always worrying if you do have too many kind of if you have a checklist and you you're you kind of need to have a vague destination of wanting to be with someone who loves you Mm. i hope a healthy person who loves who loves you in a healthy way Mm. but at the same time you don't want to be so prescriptive that you miss out on all the beautiful other people who aren't called james or who aren't architects so it's a bit like saying i i need to go to uh i need to go to this destination and i don't know how to get there so i'm going to put it in my sat nav you're going to trust the sat nav to get you there but on the way you might think oh actually i've always wanted to try that village and so you turn off and the sat nav recalibrates and says yeah. oh no you only need to turn left and that's not not very good sat nav impression <laughs> do the pirate do the pirate <laughs> where's my hook that's not going to be my future career is it <laughs> So you you have to open yourself up to as many yeah. experiences as possible. Otherwise, that the maybe the reason why J- I'm colluding with this person at the moment, but maybe the reason why James, sure. the architect, <laughs> hasn't come yet is because he's not available yet or he's not ready yet. So you've got to find some other people to yeah. hang out with first. Not that aren't crackhead psychics. Preferably not. Yeah. Maybe someone who's got more in common with you. Yeah. Um, don't hang out in Hove. Just go. Go for some bigger, bigger options. Yeah. Maybe go on dating websites. Maybe say yes to every invitation. If someone invites you to a party, just throw yourself out there. And the universe will think you you have to, this isn't very psychotherapeutic. It's slightly more mindful and spirit junkie-ish, but put yourself out there with the energy that you want to have. What What is your friend's what does she want to feel by having James, the architect, in her life? And she needs to function from that place, from that energy. Thank you very much, Lucy Beresford. <laughs> and you can find Lucy's book, Happy Relationships at Home, Work and Play, pretty much on like Amazon and everything. All good bookshops or off on my website, hey. lucyberesford.co.uk. <laughs> And she's got her TED Talk, Infidelity to Stay or Go. Is that right? Correct. Yay! Thank you so much, Lucy. My pleasure. Happy relationships helps you work, rest and play. Like a Mars bar for the soul. How do you feel? Uh, Like Marianne Faithful regretting... (laughs) 
<laughs> regretting that confectionery choice. Um, Lucy should have paid good money to get you doing some kind of audio. I know, somewhere, that's a jingle right Somewhere. Um, that was super interesting. Yeah. What was your favourite part? What did you learn? I learned that, well, it's something I've known. I'm so fucked up with relationships. <laughs> it's when, when Lucy was really wisely saying that um, people can have relationships you without sex yeah. you know that intimacy can be just as important yeah. and and we're talking about like what's cheating and what's not what what i mean what do you think could you have a relationship that had no sex in it i don't think i could but i think you could i think you want what? that person to what? sit there that massages your shoulder and tells you how lovely you are and then gives you the egg timer and then says but no bb i don't need the egg timer you may have my five minutes as well I think I do like to talk yeah. and I do like an egg timer yeah who have you been I've been Miranda Kane is that what you meant <laughs> yeah who have I been <laughs> Bibi Lynch Aww. and it's been good sex bad sex <laughs> produced today by Juliet Nichols oh my god you got an S <laughs> fuck uh, produced today by Juliet Nichols what happened to Sam <laughs> I'm not going to tell you for metro.co.uk if you want to find out what's happened to Sam Bonham then you're going to have to get in touch with us on Twitter at goodsexbadsex with three X's at the end which will explain a lot of why I did it to him in the first place <laughs> and also if you have a sexy question whatever a sexy question is or a query or something you'd like us to talk about on the podcast please do get in touch info at sexpod.co.uk and in the meantime just review us leave us a nice five star review fuck off with four stars we don't need that (laughs) (laughs) give us five and we shall see you next week god willing